Hello, and welcome to Red Rock Relationships, a podcast about communication. Let's unpack the relationships that we encounter in our daily lives and learn about what makes them tick. And now your host for Red Rock Relationships, Dr. James B. Stein. All right. Well, you heard the man. That's me. And I'm going to get into a little bit about who I am and what I do in just a moment here. But first, I want to thank anyone listening for tuning into the very first episode of Red Rock Relationships. And, um, you know, as the voiceover said, I'm your host, Dr. James B. Stein. Um, On this first episode, we're going to do things a little bit differently than uh, how we plan on them moving forward. Ordinarily, what you're going to get is uh, myself as well as a guest uh, who will be talking about some of the most important issues related to not only relationships, but communication in general. Now, in this first episode, it's really just going to be me kind of telling you about what we're going to be doing here. I'm going to give you a little bit of background about who I am and what I'm all about. And we're going to talk a little bit about the nature of communication and the nature of relationships. And hopefully uh, this is an episode that can be used sort of as a a springboard. Uh, So anytime you're listening to an episode of this podcast, you can come back to this one and say, oh yeah, what is this all in the context of again? And you know, the answer to that question is it's in the context of communication and specifically interpersonal uh, communication. So I'd like to start by just sort of introducing myself, talking a little bit about who I am and how I came to be here in this lovely partnership with uh, Radio Dixie. Uh, And again, thanks so much to Radio Dixie for offering their services to me. It's my hope that we can reach out to some of the students here at Dixie State University and possibly even beyond to some of the other folks who listen to this channel as they grapple with the important relationships in their lives. So who am I? Well, uh, I am not a Utah native. I am not a St. George native. I'm from just about as far away as you can be from those two areas. I hail from a very, very, very small town in New Jersey called Metuchen. And, you know, it's funny, I actually have bumped into a number of New Jerseyans here in Utah, and people seem to know my hometown, which is fun and and kind of strange. But I originally hail from there. I was an undergraduate student at Rutgers University, and after a brief stint in the corporate world, I went back to Rutgers, where I acquired both my bachelor's and master's degree in communication with a special focus on interpersonal relationships. Uh, In 2014, I packed everything up and I moved all the way across the country to Phoenix, Arizona. And while there, I earned my PhD at Arizona State University, again, in communication with a special focus on interpersonal relationships. Now, my special, special focus is actually on the dark side of interpersonal communication. We'll get into that when the time comes. Uh, But just for now, know that I am a communication person and I study relationships. I teach classes on relationships. If you're a student here at Dixie State University, you're probably going to have to take the class that I'm in charge of looking over, which is COM 2110 Interpersonal Communication. That's a general education course and everybody needs to take it. So we will be talking about some of the material that appears in that class here on the show, but we're actually going to get much, much deeper uh, and talking about some of the specific theories and quandaries, relationships and problems that people experience and how we can, you know, hopefully aid in the uh, in, in the resolution of those issues as we encounter them. 
Um, so that's a little bit about who I am. Now I want to take a few moments to talk about exactly uh, what this show is about. Now, if you have seen the graphic for this show, the logo for this show, you know uh, that this is a podcast about communication. So what we're doing is exploring relationships, close relationships, not so close relationships, familial relationships, even a little bit of a workplace and a acquaintanceship here on this show. And we're exploring it in the context of communication and theories of communication. So when I say theories of communication, what I'm trying to get across is the way that I observe the world and the way that I do my research. And as you'll come to see the way that my guests view interpersonal communication research, we view humans as largely predictable creatures who have patterns of behavior. And what we can do is we can observe their behavior and then craft theories about those behavior. Theories try to explain why or how something is happening, or they might try and predict what is going to happen next. Now, this doesn't mean that uh, theories are right 100% of the time. It's why in the study of communication, we have theories and not laws. So you may hear something on this show that runs completely counter to everything that uh, has gone on in your current relationship, and that's okay. Theories don't predict or explain every relationship, but they try to offer some insight as to how some relationships tend to work. So we're going to be taking into account the ways in which relationships function. And we're going to be trying to use communication as a tool here to explain how we can improve our relationships and maybe even how communication can harm our relationships. Um, I'll give you an example. And this example actually comes from uh, me and my personal life. And it's actually the, the story of how I got into the study of human communication. When I was a teenager, I was in my first, you know, real relationship uh, it lasted almost a year and a half and in that relationship i was with a person who enjoyed spending time with me but did not enjoy bringing me around her friends or her family and i'll tell you this her friends and family they didn't really like me and my friends and family they didn't really like her and we knew this to be true but we never talked about it. We never sat down and said, hey, why is it that your family doesn't approve of me? Why is it that my friends aren't your biggest fan? And that got me thinking as I progressed through my undergraduate degree and as I got into my master's program, I got into my second real relationship uh, ever. And this was the exact opposite. It was a relationship in which the friends and family surrounding our bond were very supportive and very eager for us to progress. But we didn't really like each other that much. And it's funny because we, again, we didn't really talk about it. We spent so much time with mutual friends and our parents got to know each other. And, you know, I was at the birth of her brother's child and it was, it was a, a, a really surreal experience. Um, and unfortunately, we just didn't talk all that much about us. And that hurt the relationship. Now, these are two instances in which a lack of communication can harm a relationship. But what we'll talk about in future episodes is how communicating too much can really damage a relationship. One example of this is when we are in the middle of a conflict, a fight, let's say with our romantic partner. If we don't go out of our way to talk about what it is that we're experiencing conflict over, we put ourselves in a position where we are only voicing our own position rather than exploring 
what our interests in that position are. Now I'm getting ahead of myself. We're going to talk more about that in future episodes, the difference between taking a position and demonstrating an interest. But it's an example of how communicating too much, communicating about something that you shouldn't be, can potentially harm you. Now, one of the things that we're going to spend a lot of time on across all of our episodes is how do we deal with difficult communication experiences, you know, specific episodes in which communication can either help or hurt. Now, one of the best things that we can do is we can sit down and we can, you know, <laughs> make notes about, hey, this is what I want to talk to you about. Now we're going to talk about this. And we're going to talk about that. But unfortunately, people aren't robots. And very often when we are faced with a difficult communication episode, there's no notes. There's no time to prepare. It just happens in the moment. So what we need to get a hold of is how can our knowledge of communication and communication theory help us as we approach these conversations? And then broadly, how can it help us as we reflect on our relationship and how we deal with our everyday lives? So that's kind of what this show is going to be about. And every week what we'll do is I'll bring in a very, very a well-educated, smart, talented person who has a very specific niche that they study. And they will talk about these, um, these issues and I'll ask questions and they'll give answers. And that's really what this show is about. But I also wanna spend a couple of minutes talking about what this show is not about. First things first, uh, this show is not about psychology. Psychology and communication are related topics, but it is not an opportunity per se, to explore the human mind. The way that I tell my students about it is that psychology is what's going on up here and communication is what's coming out out here. Now, psychology often informs our communicative patterns and indeed there is a substantial amount of overlap between some of the theories that psychology folks and communication folks cover. However, we really are more concerned with the actual interactions that have between two or more people as opposed to the thoughts that are just populating our heads. So it's not a psychology show. And I also want to make sure that everybody knows I am not a therapist. Um, quick little story. Back when I was a graduate student at ASU, um, students used to make a habit of coming into my class, uh, rather, sorry, coming into my office hours and asking me questions about their relationships. Like I'm supposed to have all these answers about their specific experiences and I just don't have those answers. So there may be a time where we reach out to the, the folks who are listening to the show and we'll say, hey, ask us a question. And uh, what we can do is we can break down that question in such a way that we, we, we can answer it from the theoretical perspective. But one thing that I'm not gonna be trying to do on this show is giving people specific advice about their specific relationships. I'm not qualified to do that and I have no interest in doing that. So I am not a therapist. This is not a therapy show. It's a show about the ways in which communication alters the way that we view the world and the way that our relationships work. So what I'm trying to say is that if you're struggling with your relationship, it's okay to say, hey, you know, I've noticed that there's this problem in my relationship, but don't expect what we talk about on this show to be the thing that you can then take back to your partner and save your relationship with. Um, hopefully people do benefit from this show in, in the form of developing their communication to a level where they can then improve their relationships. But uh, what I don't want to hear about is people saying, well, I was listening to uh, Triple R the other day and James said 
that the most important thing that we can talk about is X, Y, Z. So why don't we talk about that? And then that starts a big fight that leads to a breakup. I don't want to hear those stories. So again, the things that I'm saying, you need to understand that they're coming from a theoretical place. They need to be taken with at least a little bit of a grain of salt. And you need to do your own work in terms of applying the things that are talked about on this show to your own specific relationship, right? It's like I tell my students, like I'm the professor and I can set the class up, you know, in a way that sets you up for success and puts you in a position where you can do things to help yourself. But at some point, you really need to be the one to take the step and take things into your own hands. The final thing that this show is not about, and the, the thing that I have the least amount of tolerance for, is the validation of toxic traits. Now, we're going to spend some time talking about toxicity. We're going to talk about toxic masculinity. We're going to talk about um, the, the factors that contribute to um, women viewing themselves as less than those toxic societal factors that we've been you know talking about in, in uh, modern mainstream society for a little bit while. Uh, we, we'll talk about those from a communication perspective, but one thing that this show is not designed to do is it is not designed for people to um, listen to it and then apply it to their negative behaviors to justify them. For example, and I'm not saying anybody's doing this, but for example, let's say you're the type of person who engages in infidelity. You cheat on your partner. Well, one of the things we're going to talk about next week is social exchange theory. And social exchange theory basically says that people are selfish. Like we just tend to be that way. And as a result, when we form relationships with folks, we ask ourselves the question, hey, what can this person do for me? What can this person not do for me? Uh, how can I balance the rewards that this person can afford me with the costs that I need to incur from spending time with this person. Now, to the person who engages in serial infidelity, you may see this as a wide window to say, well, social exchange theory says that you're not giving me enough rewards and as such, I need to go seek rewards from other people. I assure you, that is not what social, uh, social exchange theory would have to say about your infidelity. Um, and when we talk about equity theory, we will explain why Social exchange theory has that giant flaw in it, but again, I'm getting ahead of myself. That's for next week. What I'm trying to say is that this show does not exist to justify the behaviors that you are currently engaging in that may be harmful to your relationship. So please keep that in mind. Now, we've got a little bit of time left, and so with that time, I want to talk about two final things. The first thing I want to talk about uh, are the various models of communication that exist. Now remember, this first episode is just kind of dipping our toes into what communication is, and so I find it very important to discuss the history of communication, how it's been viewed by scholars like myself throughout the decades. Now, uh, when, uh, when the study of human communication was in its infancy, people viewed communication as linear. <clears throat> Linear communication is sort of what's happening right now. I'm in a podcast booth. I'm looking into a camera. I'm speaking into a microphone. There aren't too many people right now who can give me any sort of feedback. I'm just delivering a message. And the linear model of communication says that that's what communication looks like. One person is a sender. The other person is a receiver. I'm delivering a message, and that message is going through some sort of channel. In this case, maybe you're listening through the radio or through your phone or your mobile device, laptop, whatever it may be, that's the channel that you're listening to this through. 
The linear model of communication also says that when communication is delivered by one person, there's noise that gets in the way. And noise can be actual physical noise, like the banging of a table or the jingling of keys, but it can also be psychological. Uh, the example that I use in my classes is you're on your way to class, you bump into someone who's really cute, right? Very attractive, and you can't stop thinking about them. You sit down in class, you know you should be paying attention to the things that your professor is saying, but all you can think about is that super cute person who you passed and what their life is and what they're about and, and how you can see them again so you can ask them for their number. Now that counts as noise. It's something that gets in the way of me delivering my message to you. But the linear model of communication is a bit antiquated. After a few decades, scholars came up with what is known as the interactional model of communication. Now, this allows people to be a sender and a receiver of information at the same time. So although right now I'm engaging in linear communication, you could imagine that if you were sitting across this uh, booth from me, I would be able to receive information from you as I sit here talking, right? If you're making eye contact with me and nodding and smiling and going, oh, oh, mm, that indicates to me that you're listening. And that's an act of communication that you're engaging in right there that I, myself, am taking in at the same time as my message production. Now, in this model of communication, not only am I a sender and a receiver, you're a sender and a receiver, there's noise that surrounds our interaction, and then also there's a context in which this occurs. Uh, for me and whoever's listening to this, I'm the host of a podcast and you're the listener to that podcast. That's the context in which my communication reaches you. Um, if we were, let's say, good friends and one of, one of my hobbies is, you know, back when we were allowed to play basketball, one of my hobbies was playing basketball. Um, if we were talking in the middle of a basketball game, that communication would be occurring within that context. The type of message that you're going to receive from me is very different on the basketball court as opposed to here in the podcast studio. So that's what the interaction model takes into account. We're both sending and receiving, and of course our messages are being delivered within a context. Now, unfortunately, this scope is still a bit too narrow. And so in recent decades, people have proposed what's known as a transactional model of human communication. And that's the model that we typically follow. Now, the transactional model of communication holds with it all the assumptions that the, uh, that the linear and the interaction model hold, but more. For example, the transactional model of communication acknowledges that people have different backgrounds. Right? They come from different environments and different cultures and different upbringings. And so the norms that we engage in may be different from the norms that people engage in in other places. Classic example, when I moved from New Jersey to Arizona and then out here to Utah, one of the things I was not expecting is for uh, all the people who walk down the road, uh, they stop and they say things like, hello, and how's your day going? And for me, when I first got to Arizona, I was walking down the street and someone said, hey, how are you? And my first reaction was, what do you care? Because that's kind of how people in New Jersey interact, right? They, they interact by not interacting. And if you have something to say to someone, it probably means that <laughs> there's some sort of problem, but out here in the Southwest, people are a little bit more friendly, a little bit more um, willing to just ask someone how their day is going. And that's a cultural thing. Now, that's a very small cultural thing. There are much bigger cultural issues that um, approach us as we navigate through you know, the bounds and leaps that are our everyday lives, um, especially if you're interacting with people who are international, uh, people who, were not born and raised 
not just out here in Utah, but people who were not born and raised in the States have very dis different customs. Uh, they have different greetings, different farewells, different um, ways in which they adhere to schedules, different ways in which they interact with each other, different ways in which relationships are valued. And we'll talk a little bit about this when we, uh, when we have our episode of intercultural dating. We're going to talk about individualism, collectivism. We're also going to talk about something called a constral, a self-constral. Um, and a collective construal, and that's probably something that's uh, a new term, but we will be able to break it down um, with our guest that week. What I'm trying to say is that the transactional model of communication is very detailed. It has everything that the first two models have and more. It takes into consideration a person's upbringing, a person's story, a person's culture. And these are very important factors that we must carry with us anytime we approach an interaction with someone, especially if we're dealing with a close relationship. In order to understand the thoughts and the feelings of our family members, our friends, our best friends, our partners, and everyone in between, we need to do our due diligence to learn their story. Otherwise, our episodes of communication are really just happening within a vacuum. And we know that communication does not happen within a vacuum. It's dynamic. It's, it's, it's ever-changing. It's um, explosive. It's uh, something that we value in our lives a lot. And I'm sure you've heard people say all the time, well, you know, good relationships all start with communication. And that's definitely true. But it's become an adage that's been overlooked as we've sort of gotten used to it, and especially in the modern era, as we now are slammed in the face with communication constantly. I mean, as I look around this podcast studio, one, two, three, four, five screens I see, those all give us information. And that information can then be used to alter the way that we interact with folks. So we need to know that. And this brings me to my final point of this episode. This may be something that you've heard before, but there's an old adage in the study of communication, and it goes like this. One cannot not communicate. And I'm not a huge fan of double negatives, but that's the saying, I didn't make it up. And the idea behind that phrase is, when we exist, we do so in a communicative fashion. So me right now, yes, I'm certainly speaking words, but I'm also communicating things about who I am and what I do through my manner of dress, through the way that I uh, make myself appear, through the tone of my voice and every other little element that you could possibly imagine. And the important thing to understand here as we consider the idea of not not communicating is that when we accept that every action that we do counts as an act of communication, it allows us to be a little bit more cognizant of our actions or our lack thereof. For example, picture a wedding. One of the most classic questions that gets asked at a wedding is, and if anybody now, um, you know, objects to this, uh, objects to this union, speak now or forever hold your peace. Now, think about the weddings that you've been to, if you've been fortunate enough to be to any. Has anyone ever spoken up? It's probably very rare. It doesn't happen very often. People might have objections, but they choose not to speak. And that lack of speech is an important element of this idea of one cannot not communicate. Your silence in that moment says more than the thoughts in your head, whether you want it to or not. And so one of the things I really hope uh, to take away from this show is to increase how, uh, how cognizant we are of our actions, of our communication, and hopefully that can lead us to program ourselves to be a slightly more empathetic person as we navigate 
through our lives, um, the purposeful journey to learn another person's story, the um, explicit attempts to try and wrap your head around why people see the world differently than you do. These are things that we don't just do organically. We're not born with the ability to empathize. We need to teach ourselves to empathize. And one of the best ways in which we can do that is to monitor our own communication and monitor the communication of others and understand the interplay between the two. Because if we're gonna try and form meaningful close relationships, the number one thing that we need to understand is that it really does all begin with good communication. So we need to take specific efforts to express our thoughts out loud so that people understand how we feel about issues. And again, this is gonna be the guiding principle that we use throughout every episode here uh, on Red Rock Relationships. And so I hope you've enjoyed um, listening in to uh, everything that we've talked about here in this first episode. I promise that the next episodes will be a little bit more energetic and dynamic because we're going to have guests and specific topics to discuss. Um, but hopefully you enjoyed everything that we've talked about so far. And uh, I, I really look forward to everything that we're going to talk about in the future. You've been listening to Red Rock Relationships, a podcast about communication. Thank you so much for giving us some of your time. If you'd like to be on the show or have questions for us, please send us an email to redrockrelationships at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Just search Red Rock Relationships. Thank you again. And remember, it all begins with good communication. This has been a production from a podcast studio.